Hey everybody, welcome to the One More Thing podcast for this week. Uh, We're getting a little bit of a a later start, getting this podcast out a little bit later in the week here. Uh, Our schedule's been all thrown off, and my usual partner in crime here uh, for the podcast, my wife, Andrea, she got COVID this week, and so I am recording solo here as she is lying in bed upstairs. So your prayers for her and for our family would be appreciated this week. Um, But I didn't want to let this week pass by without a one more thing, because we got a great question this week. Uh, so the, this question came in, says, since the pandemic, and often from people who may like to sleep in on Sunday, you often hear, I don't believe you have to go to church or building to be a believer and have faith. So this person then goes on to ask if uh, there are messages in the Bible that speak to whether that kind of idea is acceptable or good. And Uh, anything that would speak to the importance of the gathered church um, on a Sunday morning type of of thing uh, that would speak to that mentality. I don't believe you have to go to a church or building to be a believer and have faith. So here's what I'm going to do to kind of address this question. I'm going to just hit a lot of passages of scripture. So you're going to hear a lot of scripture being read and then some thoughts from those and then some general thoughts uh, after that. So I'm just going to kind of go into here. So get ready to hear a lot of scripture here. Uh, Now, first of all, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it specify that our church gathering has to be on a Sunday, but that was the, the the practice of a weekly Sabbath was already in place with the Jews. That had been happening for since the foundation of the faith, and that was taken from the rhythm of work and rest from the creation narrative. Um, so it, it naturally became a part of this new Jewish sect, the Christians, the way, as it was called when it first started. Um, and uh, and so then the Sabbath changed from a Saturday, which was the, the Jewish Sabbath, to a Sunday because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead during, uh, in the, um, uh, during his, uh, when, he, when he resurrected. It was from a Friday to a Sunday. Uh, so so the, the weekly rhythm of rest is a biblical idea and healthy for people. So the general idea of a Sabbath uh, is definitely, uh, definitely scriptural. Uh, in, in 1 Corinthians 16, Paul's talking about doing a, uh, uh, taking up a collection for the Lord's people on the first day of the week. Uh, so that's not giving a declaration that we have to gather together on the first day of the week, but that would make sense. And on the first day of the week, gathering together to take a collection for uh, people people who have needs in the church uh, was an instruction for, uh, for Paul there. And then in... Uh, Acts 20, uh, Luke talks about how the, on the first day of the week, we, Paul and him uh, and other believers, came together to break bread. Paul spoke to people, and because he needed to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Um, and that's actually the setup to one of my favorite stories in Scripture, where Paul talked for so long and was kind of boring. And uh, a guy was there listening, Eutychus, and he was sitting in a windowsill, and he fell asleep because Paul was so boring and was preaching so late into the night. He fell asleep, fell out the window and died. Paul had to go resurrect him, raise him from the dead. So uh, yeah, hopefully that's not your experience with me on a Sunday morning. Uh, But anyway, uh, it's just describing one day. That passage, Acts 20, is just describing one day. They're saying they got together on the first day of the week to do some of this teaching. Um, But it would not have been, that would have been the practice to get together on the first day of the week to do your teaching and stuff like that. So those are some some passages there. Hebrews 10, probably one of the most famous as far as scripture verses go when it talks about uh, gathering together as a body. Hebrews 10.25 says, 
Um, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So there's an explicit instruction there to not give up meeting together. Uh, as some are in the habit of doing, which some have definitely gone into the habit of doing since COVID. And and I just have to say before I continue on, I get it. Like I got three kids. Uh, we got somebody sick all the time. We got stuff going on the whole week. It was nice to just sit on the couch <laughs> and watch a service online. Like that was that was convenient. So I so I get it. Um, but this this practice is so important. I'll continue on with that. So. Here in Hebrews 10, we have this instruction to not give up meeting together. Um, But before that, in taking that verse in context, it kind of tells you why. So it starts with talking about the kind of God that we have. Verse 19, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most high place by the blood of Jesus, so talking about the work that he did, and by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure your water. So it says, because we have this access to God now, because of the work that he has done for us, because we have um, full assurance of faith, then, verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. So this is about, this is about, God being deserving of us getting together and communally worshiping him. The use of the word us throughout that passage is also important. We do this together, you know? And then uh, then we have the example of the early church, Acts 2.42. They devoted themselves, they, the, the early church, the early followers of God, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and prayer. So this is the example we have, uh, the scriptural example we have of the early church. And then uh, Colossians 2.16. So like I said, I'm just kind of rap- rapid firing some of these passages here. Uh, you can always go back and listen to, <laughs> listen to this episode again to get these scripture references. But I just kind of want to give you an idea overall uh, that gathering is a very biblical uh, idea here. So Colossians 2.16, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. Uh, so this, you know, it, here the, the, the fact of teaching together and singing together, this was assumed. So this is not a didactic passage. This isn't saying you should get together once a week on Sunday at 10 o'clock in the morning with coffee and, <laughs> and greeters and teaching whatever. This is just, it's assuming that we would get together to teach and encourage and sing songs together. Then uh, 1 Timothy 4.13, um, uh, Paul is writing to a guy named Timothy, a, a, a ministry uh, mentee, if you will. Paul is his ministry mentor. And Paul says, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching, and to teaching. So this was a specific word to Timothy, not to the overall church, not a prescription for the overall church, uh, just for one person. But it assumes that there will be opportunities for preaching and teaching to groups of people. Uh, so, so there's that passage too. And then, gosh, I, I had written all these passages down. It's really feeling like a whole bunch right now, but I'm just going to keep going here. 
Um, Matthew 18, starting in verse 15, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, then you've won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. So the church exists for accountability, we see in this passage. This isn't talking about our practice of gathering, but it's assuming that practice. And in that gathering, we can keep each other accountable. And we can't keep keep ourselves accountable on our own, right? And then the idea that God is specially present when we are gathered together, right? Uh, so we can we can magnify and give God more glo- the more glory that He deserves when we're gathered together. Um, when I think of this idea, I think about um, I think about sports, uh, especially during the pandemic. We saw this so vividly during the pandemic when there would be a sports team playing in empty stadiums. I don't know if any of you watched some of those. You can go back and find highlights of soccer games, football games, whatever. Uh, of games being played in empty stadiums and it was so weird it was so weird and you and there wasn't the kind of celebration there wasn't you know cheering you could watch it at home but like it was so weird but when you are gathered in a full stadium watching a game the the uh, I'll say glory that you give the team is just magnified when you're with other people Right, the the MLS Cup final, uh, Major League Soccer final, the Philadelphia Union, my team, uh, played uh, in the final this year, and so we invited a bunch of people over, and it was incredible. We had like thirty people in our living room, and every goal that they scored, we just the room just flipped. I mean, the house just exploded. People screaming and cheering, and uh, and then with every goal scored against, it was just this com- like all together, just like oh man, you all felt it together. And as sad as I was that the Union lost that game, the experience was just so much better when it was with so many people. And my, my sorrow was shared, you know, I wasn't alone in that. Uh, it was just all, it was so much better when there's people. So you know, the communal aspect of things really matters. Um, and then there's a huge passage. I'm not going to read this one. 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 31 talks about the different parts of the body. Uh, just as one body, though one has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body. And, he, and uh, now the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. Um, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. Uh, you know, an, an, an ear can, can't say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. Or, you know, it says, where... Uh, I'm just picking selections from here. Uh, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Um, The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. So this is talking about all being one in the body of Christ. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. Uh, And uh, and then it talks about different gifts. So this, this speaks to the fact that we we can't just say that we don't need other members of the body. We can't do Christianity. We can't do our faith on our own. A toe is immensely important to the full experience of the body, 
but by itself, when it's on its own, it just sits there. Right? It can't, it can't grow or move or anything. And plus, it's a little creepy just having a little toad sitting there on the floor. We need each other to experience life, and beyond needing each other to experience life, we also need each other to experience a fuller understanding of God Himself. Right? If we are, all, if we all encompass different parts of the image of God, then the more of each other that we know and the more of each other that we love, the better we can know and love God himself. Uh, one more passage, Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen. I mentioned this one on Sunday. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So this talks about the general communal aspect of, of sharpening and spiritual growth. There's so many one another's in scripture. I'm not even going to mention all those, but things that you can only do, you can only practice with people. Uh, so there, there are countless other scriptures that talk about the gathering um, and the fact that it is a regular uh, getting together and the purposes of meeting together. Uh, one more just historical context piece to this is that our faith, Christianity, was born into a collective culture, a collective mindset. Right? Only in our modern Western culture do we get this idea that we can do this by ourselves. We have a very individualistic culture. The writers of scripture would never have entertained this idea. Right? Everything was lived out in community. So of course one's faith would be too. Uh, now there isn't, there isn't something <clears throat> inherently wrong with an individualist culture like, like ours. Uh, inherent, you know, within that, inherent within that, it's not wrong. We just need to be aware that if we are going to understand and practice our faith like scripture depicts, then we can't say that doing it by ourselves is scriptural. There's, there is not a basis for that. <sighs> okay, so that was some of the scripture stuff. Um, overall, the, the witness of scripture is just, is just too strong to ignore the fact of communal gatherings of followers of Jesus, right? And, and for the purposes of, of singing and preaching and teaching, sharing a meal, encouraging each other, loving each other. So... So it's just, it, 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 is over, it is overwhelming, <laughs> the evidence from Scripture, that we should be meeting together. Now, this does not mean uh, that the church is what saves you. Okay, so in a sense, going back to that original question, you don't need the church to have a saving faith, right? But I would argue that you can't live as a Christian without some form of the gathered church. So it doesn't have to look like Marsh Creek, right? It could look like a house church. Uh, it could look like your life group at, you know, that we have at Marsh Creek. It doesn't have to be in a denomination. Uh, but the Christian life is lived in community and with other people. So, so you can be saved without the gathered church. But I would say that you can't live as a Christian without the gathered church. Uh, now, uh, you know, please hear me, there will be circumstances where that's not possible, like, you know, sickness or something like that. For some reason, you physically cannot gather with people. Uh, and there are such extreme circumstances. But unless you physically cannot accomplish going to a gathering, you're kind of out of excuses. You can't really make a scriptural claim that you can do this on your own. It's just not, it's not possible to mount a biblical defense of that. Um, so again, you can be saved, although even then the influence that, that influenced you to, to get you to a point of accepting Christ as your savior, um, that probably came 
through the influence of relationships of people in a gathered church of some sort. So uh, not always, but most likely. So even then, uh, though you can be saved without the gathered church, oftentimes you're influenced at least by the gathered church, even in that. (laughs) So anyway, that's kind of a scattershot view of some of these things, a lot of passages. Um, But uh, yeah, just kind of wanted to give you some Give you some thoughts because this is a great question. I had mentioned during the sermon that you can't do your faith by yourself. Christianity isn't a solo faith. Um, and so that's kind of where this question sprang from. So I hope that's helpful. Hope that's been been good for you. But um, yeah, do uh, keep Andrea and myself and the family in prayer as we walk through COVID over the next uh, however long. And uh, yeah, we will hopefully, hopefully I'll see you on Sunday. <laughs> Take care, everyone. Have a good day.